Hello and welcome back to the Composer Kate podcast. My name is Kate and this is episode two. If you haven't listened yet to the first episode, make sure to go back and do that, especially to hear my intro where I ramble a little bit about why I'm doing this podcast project and what I'm hoping to do with this series. If you have listened already, thank you so much for listening. I have over 20 band pieces in my catalog now, so that's how many episodes we have ahead of us at least, and I'm really looking forward to it all. One quick thing I want to let you know about is that I've set up a Google form for you to submit your questions for me. I will put the link in the episode notes. So if you have any questions about a specific piece or any general questions for me that you might like to hear me answer on a future podcast episode, you can share them with me using that link. Okay, so with that, let's get into this week's piece, which is Autumn. Autumn is a lyrical piece for concert band at the grade 3.5 level. I first wrote Autumn as an SATB choral piece in 2017. I wrote the text myself in addition to the music. I really love the choral version, but I knew as soon as I finished it that I wanted to create a version for band. Autumn is such a beautiful time of year where I live, and I knew the instruments of the wind band would be able to express the colors and textures of fall, especially in the warm, dark richness of D flat major, which is the key I chose for this piece. So I published the band version in 2018, and it was premiered later that year. There's a nice little story about this premiere, so I'll tell you about that later. When I wrote the choral version of Autumn, I was singing in a community choir. And although I've never had any formal vocal training, I've always loved singing. I got to sing in a few choirs over my life, one in elementary school. I did choir for one year or half a, half a year, maybe one semester in high school. And then the camp choir at the summer music camp I attended for a couple of years. So that's it. I would have enjoyed doing it more earlier in life, I think. But as an instrumentalist, I was always in other ensembles. I was in every concert band, wind ensemble, jazz band, stage band, pit band, symphony orchestra, you know, anything that I could do, I signed up for. Um, but that meant usually those rehearsal times overlapped with choir rehearsal times, so I didn't get to do both. Being a composer in a choir is an interesting experience. I really enjoyed being able to see everyone's parts at once. So for those that don't know, typically in choir music, each person's sheet music shows the entire score. So you can see your own part along with everyone else's. With concert band and most other large instrumental ensembles, you're only given your individual part on your sheet music, which makes sense because choir music usually only has three or four parts, whereas band music might have 20 separate parts or even more in some cases, and the score is a lot bigger. So this is something that was new for me, singing in choir, and I really loved being able to understand the pieces that we were singing on an even deeper level because of having the awareness of everyone else's parts, being able to see everything that was happening around me. 
So it was around this time that I started feeling curious about writing my own choral music. I actually wrote three pieces during that one year because I was enjoying it so much. And hopefully I'll be able to create more choral music in the future because I do really like it a lot. The past several years have been very band-centric and just geared towards writing instrumental music. Um, But I would love to return to writing vocal music and choral music as we go forward. So for the text for Autumn, I used a poem that I wrote myself when I was in high school. I remember playing Eric Whitaker's October in my high school win ensemble when I was in grade 12. And around that time, my English class or creative writing class, I can't remember which one, uh, was exploring poetry. So I wrote a poem for class and I titled it Autumn. It was sort of inspired by the Whitaker piece, October, and also my own love for the season and fall colors and all of the beautiful, meaningful symbolism that comes with with all of that. And then many years later, I came up with music to go along with my poem, and that became the piece Autumn. I think it's interesting that I eventually arranged it for band because in the end, one band piece inspired another. So I'm going to read you this poem, which became the text for the choral piece. And just a side note, even if you're working on the band version, I think it's really important to know what the words are, because I think it can help you interpret the music better. I've actually worked with a couple of bands on this piece that didn't know that there were words at all, and I'm obviously happy to share that information and talk about it in the moment, but it's a bit of a missed opportunity because I think it's a really good exercise or just activity and opportunity, I suppose, um, for ensembles and conductors to go over this together and to listen to the choral version of the piece, take a look at the words. You could even, if you have a projector in your rehearsal room or a whiteboard or something like that, you could put the words up at the front of the room somewhere that everyone can see and listen along with it and follow along in your part for the band version and maybe even write down some of the words words at key moments and just see if that changes the way that you connect with the music, changes the way that you interpret the direction of the phrase or just understanding a new layer of um, what went into the creation of this piece. So highly recommend that everyone take the time to familiarize yourselves with the words, whether you're singing the piece or playing the band version. Okay, so here is the poem. The sun hides low in the sky, igniting the forest with rays of light. The air lies motionless until a gentle wind whispers, disrupting this peace. With this wind dances a colorful melancholy, painting the seasons with brushstrokes of time. Memories swirl in this cool breeze, though warmth lingers in the arms of trees, holding on until the last single leaf falls. So a question that comes up sometimes is whether I write the music first or the words first, or with music that doesn't have any words, it's, you know, melody first or rhythms first or harmony first or whatever. And every composer has their own process. Even I myself have a a different process each time for each piece or each project that I'm working on. In this case, obviously the words came first because this poem existed already. 
So in this case, the process involved melody first for the most part. Um, I had words already and so I just started singing them and I knew I wanted to work in the key of D flat major because I feel a connection between that key signature and the fall season for some reason that just feels right for me. So I sat at a keyboard and started, you know, just playing reference notes for myself and um, looking at the poem in front of me and just allowed uh, melodies to kind of come to me. And I, I think I wrote most of it all in one sitting, which It's not something that happens very often, if ever, Um, but for some reason, I think because I was the one who wrote the words, I was already really connected with the imagery, I had something in mind, and the music sort of came to me right away. So the creation of the choral version of this piece happened very quickly, and then I think I mentioned earlier as well that I knew right away when I was writing it um, for choir that I eventually wanted to write it for band as well. So this whole process happened quickly. It's so interesting to me to reflect on it now because this was not a commissioned piece. This was something that I just wanted to do. And I find it really interesting to look back throughout um, the years so far and just kind of take notice of how the process is different between pieces that were personal projects versus pieces that were commissioned projects. One is not better than the other, but I am noticing that the process was different um, for those two types of project. When composing this piece, I used a technique called word painting. So I composed music that would reflect the literal meaning of the text. So I'm going to play some examples of this for you. The first one is the phrase, with this wind dances a colorful melancholy. So I chose quarter note triplets for the beginning of this phrase to reflect the dancing concept, the concept of the wind dancing. And I ended the phrase on a minor chord to reflect the word melancholy. So I'm going to play this phrase for you now. And if you're following along in the band version, that phrase happens at letter B. The next example of word painting is the line, memories swirl in this cool breeze. And the alto part has a swirling motion. The contour of the melody actually kind of goes up and down and around while the rest of the ensemble is holding longer notes. And so this, of course, is meant to mimic the visual of memories swirling around. So I'll play that for you now. I'm going to show you now what that phrase sounds like in the band version so that you can compare. So this is that same phrase, memories swirl in this cool breeze, but the band version, and this is starting at letter C.
Now, the second half of that phrase is warmth lingers in the arms of trees. So all together, memories swirl in this cool breeze, though warmth lingers in the arms of trees. And so for this lingering moment, there is actually musical lingering. And I don't know how else to explain it. There are uh, tied notes across bar lines. Just the way that I sort of stretched this phrase out was designed to represent the word lingers. And then the phrase really expands outward um, as we approach the word trees. The word trees is sort of the arrival point of this phrase. So again, I'm going to play the choral version for you first. And then for this phrase, I actually feel that the band version is even more effective. So uh, this is letter D from the band version, same phrase. The last example I'm going to show you is holding on, holding on until the last single leaf falls. So this is the very end of the piece, the final phrase of the piece. And what I did with the word holding is I scattered eighth notes, holding, 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 holding throughout the choir and in the band version as well. Those eighth notes are scattered throughout the ensemble to create this effect of actually holding on and having this word last longer than just the one beat, having that stretched out for the whole bar. And then until the last single leaf falls, on the word falls rather than arriving on the major chord, the D flat major chord, right on that final word falls. Um, instead of arriving at the third of the chord, there is a suspended four and then resolves down to the third in the final bar. So hopefully all of that makes sense. You can take a look at a perusal score on my website if you don't have a copy yourself and you can follow along. I'm going to play you the last phrase of the piece in the choral version first. Okay, and here is the band version. This is the final phrase of the piece starting at measure 34.
those audio clips of the choral version were from a live concert recording of the Toronto Youth Choir in 2017, conducted by Matthew Otto. A commonly asked question is whether there are any musical differences between the choral version and the band version. So you just heard it. The obvious difference is instrumentation, but the musical content is all exactly the same phrase by phrase. Um, There is the addition of percussion in the band version. So pretty much all of the SATB parts from the choir were sort of just expanded out to SATB-ish orchestration within the band version. So soprano-like instruments such as flute, oboe, sometimes clarinet, sometimes trumpet would get the soprano parts. You know, the bass voice parts would go to the bass voices within the wind band. So low brass, low woodwinds, etc. That's pretty much how I structured everything. But I did add percussion and I added an introduction to the band version that features this nice long roll on the marimba and some twinkly wind chimes before the first notes from the winds. So I'm going to just play for you the opening few measures from the band version so that you can hear that because it does not exist in the original version. Alright, so as promised, I'm going to tell you about the premiere performance of the band version. So the world premiere of Autumn for Band was conducted by Edwin Powell with the Pacific Lutheran University Wind Ensemble in Tacoma, Washington, November 2018. And I got to attend this premiere because it happened during my composer tour through the Pacific Northwest. So for some context here, for those that don't know this about me, for about seven weeks in late 2018, I lived out of a suitcase at Airbnbs and hotels and really kind community members' homes. And I visited schools, I worked with bands and attended performances in Oregon, Washington, British Columbia, and Alberta. I worked every day except some travel days, but even some of the travel days included work too. If I ever do something like that again, I would approach it much differently now. It was the most exhausting thing ever, but it was also really fun and it led to some important moments and lifelong connections. And it was really huge in my early career growth because this was still within my first year of going full-time as a composer. So this was a really big deal. So there was this one weekend in November 2018 during my tour when I got to attend three world premieres in two days in two different states. It was pretty wild. Uh, And this performance of Autumn was one of them. So very memorable weekend. I took an early morning train from Portland, Oregon to Tacoma, Washington. And when I arrived, I had breakfast with the conductor, Ed Powell, who I was just meeting for the first time. He learned that I was vegan, so he took the time to research ahead of time and find a breakfast place that offered plant-based options, which was just so nice. I knew right away that my music was in good hands. 
Later that day, I got to hear my piece played for the first time in an absolutely glorious space. I knew the moment I walked in, oh, everything is going to sound good in here. It was just one of those kind of places where everything is just made even more beautiful by the acoustics of the room. This performance is the one that I've been using as the reference recording for this piece on my website, so you can listen to it and you'll understand what I mean. It's just everything is very stretched out and um, they allowed for a lot of space for the sound to just kind of uh, linger in the space, which was just perfect for this piece. The other thing that you'll hear in this reference recording that people sometimes ask me about is the sound of the wind chimes. So this piece calls for wind chimes in a couple of spots in the percussion part. And typically when you see wind chimes in a percussion part, you're using the more traditional like bar chimes, the ones that dangle that you can kind of glide your hand across and they make a little twinkly sound. Um, But for this world premiere concert, one of the students in the ensemble brought in garden wind chimes that were hanging in their grandmother's garden. And I guess this student had noticed, I don't know if they had perfect pitch or if they took the time to like check, but they noticed that their grandmother's wind chimes outside in the garden were ringing in the key of D flat. They checked with me, like, would this be okay instead of the traditional wind chimes to use these garden wind chimes instead? And little did they know, like, I love gardening. I love being outdoors. And the sound of natural wind chimes like that is something that has a lot of nostalgia for me and evokes a certain kind of feeling. So I thought it was a perfect addition to the performance of this piece. And for anyone else who's working on this piece, use whatever you have. You don't need to go out and buy new wind chimes just to achieve this effect. But if you do have access to something like this, garden wind chimes or more natural sounding instrument, definitely feel free to experiment and see what works for your group and in the space that you're playing in. Um, But I really loved that there was sort of a student-led change here that a student thought this would sound good and they were right. Another notable performance that I would like to mention is in December 2019, this piece was performed at the Midwest Clinic in Chicago, which was my first official Midwest performance. In the last episode, I talked about how Into the Blue was included in the new music reading session there in 2018, but that was not an official performance. So this one of autumn in 2019 was that first official Midwest performance for me. So very exciting. The band was the Amador Valley High School Wind Ensemble under the direction of Jonathan Grantham, but Autumn was conducted by a guest conductor for this concert, David Vickerman, and they did a great job. I was present for that concert because I was attending Midwest that year, and it was pretty surreal to experience my music and community with such a large audience, as is typical of concerts at Midwest. There were lots of sales of this piece thanks to the exposure from that performance so I'm very grateful for that and if you want to hear the full concert recording from Midwest I will put a link to the Amador Valley High School um, album in the episode notes and you can check it out. This is also a good opportunity to mention that Autumn is on the Music Fest Canada concert band syllabus for the current season in the B400 category. It is also on the Ontario Band Association syllabus for this year at the same level. These things are really, really great, again, for just some exposure, um, lots of 
new people hearing the pieces if they are participating in the festivals. So I'm always very grateful to learn that my music is being included on these repertoire lists. In episode one, I mentioned that during the pandemic, I created a few arrangements of pieces for flexible or adaptable instrumentation, and Autumn was one of them. Since it was a choral piece first, it was quite simple for me to condense it back down to just four parts. So the score for the flexible version of Autumn is presented in concert pitch with four parts structured in SATB format. So not every part is available for every instrument. In this case, you can visit my website to read the full breakdown of which parts are available for which instruments. I will link it in my show notes. This flexible arrangement does include string parts for violin, viola, cello, and double bass, but please note the key signature is still D flat major. And I know this is not the most string friendly key, but artistic integrity is important to me for this particular piece. I really wanted to keep the key signature. I didn't want to change it for any of the three versions that exist. I wanted it all to be consistent. So just keep that in mind and maybe treat this as an opportunity to learn to play in new keys. Speaking of the key signature, I feel that this is a good piece, even for wind ensembles, to practice playing in D-flat, as opposed to some of the other more common keys that people might be seeing in band. When looking at the score or the individual parts for this piece, I don't think this piece looks overly difficult. It's quite short in terms of the amount of music, because it is slow, and so it lasts longer uh, than it looks. But as is the case with most of my music, it's not the notes and rhythms that make it difficult, but things like independence of parts, exposed entries and solos, long phrases over changing time signatures, and just the overall musicianship and maturity required to execute the piece as it was intended. This piece offers a challenge in endurance and breath support since there are lots of long, slow phrases, especially at quieter dynamics. There's also quite a bit of waiting during this piece, multi-measure rests, fermatas, tiny little moments that require attention and holding space for somebody else. So these are some of the things that are a little bit challenging for some groups. The dynamic contrast can be really effective when played by a group that can play with as much intensity in the quiet sections as the louder, fuller sections. This piece is also a great tuning exercise and an opportunity to reinforce the importance of listening across the ensemble at all times. These are some of the reasons the grade level is 3.5, despite very simple looking parts. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much to the Toronto Youth Choir, the Pacific Lutheran University Wind Ensemble, and the Amador Valley High School Wind Ensemble and their conductors for the beautiful reference recordings that I've been using throughout this episode. If you liked what you heard and you want a copy of Autumn for your own library, go to katenishimura.com where you can find perusal scores, full-length recordings, program notes, and more info about me and my work. If you have a question for me about anything you've heard so far or anything you haven't heard yet, feel free to submit a question using the Google form link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.